Welcome to the Tabletop Submarine, where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. Here are your hosts. Listeners, welcome to another episode of the Tabletop Submarine Podcast. It is so good to have you on. As always, my name is Josh. With me is my number one compadre and my partner in crime. And I'm Andrew. This week, we have Daryl Andrews, mega, mega hit game designer of Sagrada and a number of other things. He's got some cool projects coming up. He's also head of development, I believe, for Maestro Media. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I they keep changing my title. I think uh, the latest <laughs> one was uh, uh, head of talent, I think. Yeah, well... Since you're so talented, that makes sense. I, I think that <laughs> you being in charge of finding other talented people makes a lot of sense to me. Daryl, welcome to the show. Obviously, I know you as my mentor in the Tabletop Mentorship Program, and I really appreciate your time for that. Uh, but you have mentored lots of people, not just me. So you are kind of all over the place. Your fingers are in a lot of pies. You distribute yourself very, very well, and you have a ton of games. I can't even begin to list all the number of games that you have, including some cool new ones coming up. But for those... Who don't know you the way I know you? Can you give us a little bit about yourself to our, our fans and listeners? Uh, very kind. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been a game designer, uh, or at least trying to be a game designer for the last 10 years. Uh, and freelance life is ups and downs. So I've gotten to work with a lot of different publishers and a lot of co-designers. I love collaboration. And then uh, uh, in the last year, as you mentioned, I've been working with Maestro Media, a newer game company. Uh, where I'm helping as a consultant. Beyond that, you know, I, I try to give back to the community as much as I can. I mean, the community has been very generous to me and has helped me in a lot of ways. And so I attend a lot of conventions and I try to support a lot of designers. Uh, I am part of an organization called Game Artists of Canada, where we've mentored and supported one another in a, a lot of great ways. And, and just find, you know, uh, ways to support and come alongside our community, and uh, I really believe in a rising tide helps all boats. Completely agree on all levels. Um, congratulations on Sagrada's many, many expansions, and now has a legacy version coming out. Can you tell our, our audience about that? Yeah, no, I'm really excited. So last year, we did a crowdfunding campaign. When I say we, I really mean Floodgate. Floodgate launched and ran a really successful campaign. Uh, Adrian and I were the designers of the game, and we've actually been spending the last three years working on uh, on that game. You know, we were many years ago. Now uh, we made the original, and then over the years we've made expansions, and then we tried to think of something really crazy and audacious, and so we made this giant uh, Sagrada Legacy version called Sagrada Artisans, and it's going to be fulfilling this summer. Hopefully, fingers crossed. You know, there's always weird shipping things and all that kind of fun stuff. But uh, we can't wait for people to finally get to play it. You know, a few reviewers played it and loved it. Uh, we think it's the best thing we ever designed. So for us, you know, just seeing it out in the wild and people getting to experience it is is the, the real joy of making games. There's a lot of people out there frothing at the mouth for this one, and I'm one of them. So very, 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 very excited to hear that it's coming sooner than later. So that's great. Uh, I also would like to hear more about what's going on with Maestro Media. What, what do you got going on there? there? Yeah, Maestro Media, is, it's a real fun time to be part of the company. I came in and they were still kind of finding themselves. They have 
uh, had done some really successful Kickstarters for anyone who might have heard of them. They probably heard of their game Binding of Isaac. Uh, mm-hmm. They've done a couple of those Kickstarters and raised over $10 million between the two campaigns. Uh, but beyond that, they've done other games like Tapeworm and and uh, Sugar Heist and and uh, they just they did earlier in the year Sally Face and uh, we've just announced over the last uh, couple months uh, a couple of huge IPs that we're working on. So we announced Hello Kitty, the board game that's being designed by Roberta Taylor, and we've been working on that for a while just to really knock that out of the park because we're really honored to get to work with Hello Kitty, such a prestigious and famous brand and IP, and with just really fun friendship oriented characters that are really inclusive and uh and then the other big one that we just announced is uh we're doing the smurfs game and we have uh the same designers that did draftosaurus antoine bauza corinth lebron ludovic montblanc and theo rivere and so they are cooking up a really cool smurfs game that i've been really enjoying uh it's a co-op worker placement where you're building up a town, uh, you, you're build, building up your new Smurf village. Uh, we're, we're still debating the title of the game, so literally trying to figure out all those details as we just do the pre-marketing. Can I, can I pitch a title for this? Please. <laughs> Smurf replacement. Okay. <laughs> Probably a terrible title name. It, may, but... it, it might not make it, Josh, but I, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the ideas. Keep oh, it's, it's definitely it's it's like one of the, that'd be like naming one of those like like trader mechanic the trader mechanic game. Right. It's just like no. Okay, sorry, no. It's <laughs> but it's like I just ah, Smurfs. Smurfs are great. I would like Smurfs, but sorry, continue on, Daryl. Yeah, no, we're really excited because uh, Hello Kitty it's its fiftieth anniversary and Smurfs it's its sixty fifth anniversary. So we just think it's pretty wild that both these brands, you know, they they still have you know kids falling in love and re you know discovering them but parents and and even grandparents for that matter uh know of these brands and and beloved them so our goal is to make some games that you know are really inclusive family friendly uh that everyone can get around a table and enjoy and then also uh we're hunting for some small footprint games uh especially if they're card based so uh this summer I'll be hunting at conventions and such uh for some you know, small size, not small games, but just small impact when it comes to uh, kind of components uh, and cost. He'll be prowling around like Azrael. Yes. <laughs> so uh, in your opinion, Daryl, what makes a, you're talking about like, you know, we have designers listening to this podcast. What makes a Maestro Media game? Like we actually asked this of lots of publishers. What, in, in your opinion, what makes a good, a game that represents your mission from Maestro Media? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And some companies have really established themselves and have like a real tone or a real style. We're still finding ourselves. One thing that we're really good at is uh, working with IP. And so one of my jobs is actually um, getting and pitching IPs and then matchmaking those IP to games. So, so, you know, sometimes it's hard because a designer doesn't know what I might know I'm looking for. And I can't fully explain or put it out there that we're looking for specific IP. So I'm just looking for good games. I'm looking for things that are fun, uh, that are family friendly, that are accessible. I mean, we're open-minded. It could be a party game. It could be a two-player only game. It could be 
uh, a family strategy game. End of the day, realistically, we're probably not uh, in a hurry to make a game that's over an hour. So it's got to be fairly quick, pretty, you know, ideally not too long on the rules uh, that you could teach a game in five minutes. That would be that would be real nice. Um, we like innovation, but we're not afraid of familiarity as well. So it doesn't have to, you know, everything in it doesn't need to reinvent the wheel. But maybe if there's a, a component or an element that's fresh or new so that it helps it stand out, uh, that that's helpful. Uh, I think in general, you know, sometimes you, people use the word gimmick. You know, I don't mean it in the bad way, but there needs to be something that stands out and makes mm-hmm. it unique and gets people talking. So that's where I'm looking to experience a game that I have a lot of fun, but also might have a little bit of a wow factor. I might have like a, oh, that's different. And if that can kind of happen while people are still having a really good time, I think that's a, a real success. I think that's the unicorn that everybody's looking for. So why wouldn't you also be looking for that? That's fair. Yeah, I, def- I definitely uh, would say for us that the, we, we're going to have a real fun opportunity to apply some games to some really big IP. Uh, Javon Fraser, our uh, CEO, was with Maestro. Oh, what, what, sorry, was with Marvel for uh, almost nine years and was part of bringing things like Iron Man to theater. And so because of his experience with IP and working with some really great creators, same with, you know, his relationship with Edmund McMullen and the, and Binding of Isaac, you know, we mm-hmm. really are creator focused. We're really focused on working with designers and creating uh, kind of their vision. And then also we're, we're pretty strong at marketing and Kickstarter. So we're focused on those things. And then we're going to, make some meaningful partnerships. We've already announced uh, Lucky Duck, for instance, for our international market. Uh, we're working on uh, some other really strategic relationships so that we can get our games out there to the most people. But we, as a company, are going to focus on working alongside creators and marketing our games. All that sounds really, really great. The pre-launch. Get to know us and our guests. Uh, we should probably talk about some games that actually exist in the world rather than just this future stuff. So, Daryl, I'll start with you. What games have you been playing lately that you'd like to talk about? Uh, I'm going to cheat and say two, if that's all right. Sure. Okay. Well, one I've been obsessed with, and I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but it's Triketa. And uh, it's from Stefan Dora. It's a new game from Deep Print Games and Pegasus Spiel. It's a, it's a tile game. And uh, you, you basically are just um, looking at it and then adding it to a lot or keeping it for yourself. And your goal is to get three of a kind. Um, if you go under, you just score a point or two. If you go over, you actually lose points. Uh, but you're creating these lots. It kind of reminds me of like a Coloretto or a Zularetto. Hmm. Um, okay. But it's just really fast, fun, takes 20 minutes, plays up to five players been playing a lot of that lately um i think it's gonna be a hit this summer um and i love these pieces i'm looking yeah. at we're gonna get rid of these pieces are fantastic yeah the pieces are really cool because they're these diamonds that on one end when you fit them together the three of them make a full kind of flower or whatever and then the other way if you fold them around they make fives like five of them fit together and that's the stacks that you draft from so you flip them upside down and put them in kind of these circles of five and stack three rows of five so there's 15 to draft from 
and then vice versa, you're collecting them and trying to make them three. So they're nice, chunky, meaningful shape fits. And I'm a sucker for that. Uh, the second one I want to give a plug that I've been playing a bunch of is Comic Hunters. Ooh, uh, yes. I, I managed to snag a copy from my good friend Corey Thompson, uh, who does Dice Tower News and a bunch of different things like that. And he is uh, a, a great friend to hook me up. Right now, they're hard to get because you can only really get them from Brazil. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he imported a few. But I have in good knowledge that a version is coming to North America. The, the details are being figured out. Uh, it will have Marvel. It will be in, involving a couple really big publishers uh, from North America. So it is coming. So I don't just plug it to like tease people that I got like this woo rare game. <laughs> Other people will be able to get to play with it too. Yeah, that one's been on my radar for a while and I know that it's hard to get here and I can't wait to try that one out as well. That sounds great. Yeah, it's, it's really fun because basically um, it almost makes me think of Raw. The idea is you're acquiring cards. There's four little mini games of ways to draft or acquire your, your sets. And then you, you end up selling and keeping different comic cards uh, to build up the coolest collection. Yeah, no, I saw, I think it was, I was watching the Dice Tower. I think Mike Delicio was actually talking about this one. And I've been hearing people talking about it ever since. Like the idea of like, hey, go to a convention you draft this way you go to an auction you bid it just sounds super good plus i've been really getting into comics recently as just because i'm a nerd and yeah. it, it looks it looks great so you're a very lucky person i i do Corey stuff for board games insider with steven agnosi and yeah that guy, that guy just has so many connections man it's just crazy <laughs> he does he's a you know the world's most interesting man and uh mm -hmm. uh I've, i'm very thankful for his friendship and uh and he hooked me up because he knows I'm a big comic book nerd, uh, and that uh, I would ha I'd get a kick out of it. We played it back uh, in early March, and and since then um, he hooked me up, and and I've been playing it ever since. Nice. So, quick question then: Is what's if as someone who's new into the comic book world, what's one comic you think I should read? Like maybe beyond maybe just whatever. What's one comic you think I should read? Well, my favorite comic of all time is Saga. Uh, don't know if you check that out, but it's a crazy great space opera. Um, it is my dream number one license game to make. And uh, it's just a beautiful, immersive, but just impressively large world that they've created. And, and then the, the irony is it took a break, but it's back. So there's now some new um, material getting added to to the storyline. So that would be one of my plugs. Um, I'm also just a, a, a friend and fan of Matt Kent. So anything by Matt Kent, he did mind management, for example, um, right. An oldie, but a goodie that I'm obsessed with right now is department H, uh, that he did, which is this great, uh, story of kind of a whodunit at the bottom of the ocean. There's a research team and, uh, there's some sabotage, but also some things going wrong because of the uh, facilities kind of wearing down and running down. And uh, the head researcher has died and his daughter comes down to investigate and try to figure out um, kind of the, the, the weird backstory of, of what happened. Nice. You and you and Jay Cormier need to get on this kind of stuff. I, I want more comic book games for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what have you been playing recently? So I, I had something lined up, and then last night I made an impulse purchase that I've been 
kind of fawning over for a while now, and that's Voyages Roll and Write from Postmark Games. I, uh, I played the first one along with a playthrough video, and then I immediately pulled up another playthrough video so I could play along a second game directly after that. So this is a good one. Uh, I was doing research for a Roll and Write that I was going to develop and work on, and it was an adventure-based, exploration-based game. And essentially, these guys did my game better than I did already. So I kind of have to write that one off, but I'm really, really happy to have a better version of my game already playable, so that's pretty damn cool. I'm, I'm really excited about that one. So highly recommend checking that one out. That one's uh, very easy to accomplish. You just go to Postmark Games, and I think it's like $5 US, four pounds, whatever. And right now, it's got five official maps, and then the community is building all these unofficial maps that you can play as well. So it's almost like getting all the ticket to rides for five bucks. Nice. Yeah, that that's by Matthew Dunson and Rory Muldoon. It is, yes. And yeah. I'm very impressed with that combo. It's really, really good. Yeah, sometimes sometimes people just make a game that you're just relieved, like, oh, I guess I don't have to work on that one anymore. Don't gotta make that one no away. more. That is funny when that happens. Like I think I was there was I, I was working I was when I first started designing, I started working on a like historical like combat game that was like my first design really bad in retrospect but then i pretty much play i pretty much played games heard of games like unmatched and mm-hmm. other things like that like well that was my idea one day i can just throw that away and move on sometimes yeah, it's actually yeah. relieving it's yeah like, i don't need to work on this anymore it's, yeah it's you're free yeah it's like i can move on to something else there's weights off my shoulders it's okay <laughs> and the the other thing that's funny that sometimes happens is when you finally play it or experience something you realize oh this is not anything like my game idea and so then you go oh well then maybe maybe i'll bring that that idea back so sometimes sometimes i find that ideas have a way of finding their way back at the right timing yeah I, I, I always tell like a funny story when i Back three or three years ago, I guess at this point, I was designing one of my games, and it's probably my game that's gotten the most traction. Still, still working on it right now, but it got went to the cardboard Edison final and stuff. Um, but basically, the very beginnings of this game, it's a nature game, and I was basically designing Cascadia with polyominoes before Cascadia came out. Nice. And then Cascadia came out. And I was just, I just watched. It. I was just like, ah, oh, dang it! And like this is after like a year of development, so I had to pivot. I'm still working on it today. I'm proud of where it's going, but like it's just one of those things. Like, okay, well, I was almost there. I was almost yep. on the verge of greatness. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, so it was a good boost for me. But that's 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 neither here or there. I'll go on to what I've been playing recently. Uh, I am currently still on my quest to find a deck building game that I like. Besides Clank, I always do that. Always do that little caveat, and that took me to the most recent entry into the Star Wars universe, which is Star Wars: The Deck Building Game. So, the first thing I'm going to say about this is that you are trying. One player is playing the dark side. One player is playing the Rebellion, Empire Rebellion, and you're trying to fight each other. And whoever gets the story's three bases using card combos and deck building wins. This was fine. It. Oh. Yeah, it was fine. It. I, I don't. I didn't find anything wrong with it but i also didn't find anything super intriguing about it Uh, my wife loved it she really liked it actually my wife loves loves deck building games and so it i really don't know how to explain i just wasn't enthralled with it i did like it a lot better than dominion and other deck building games i've played it makes me want to try star realms though because i've been looking at star realms for a long minute 
And that is a lot more expandable from what I understand. And a lot of people who I know and trust say it's actually still a little bit better in their opinion. But go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say good luck on the finding a good deck builder. I find this an elusive challenge that maybe is only <laughs> only possible with hybrids because at the end of the day, I always feel like when I'm playing a deck builder, I'm doing the dishes. I'm just like rinse, Thank wash, you. repeat, rinse, wash, repeat. <laughs> So, and I hate doing the dishes. So why do I want to do that in the game? That's exactly how I feel. Like I, when I first played Dominion, I was like, "Why is this game popular?" I get it now. Now that I've matured, sure. sure. I mean, I'm matured yeah. and objectively look. <laughs> don't laugh at me. <laughs> now that I'm old and wise, I understand like what why it is it's good that way. But like for me, it was just you know. Star Wars, it had Star Wars theme, which I love. I love Star Wars. Right. And I would actually happily sit down and play it again. I'm not sure I want to buy it. So it's it, it may come into my collection just so that my wife can have a deck builder she can play with me. Um, I do think, though, that this is a great IP game because right. it is so simple. And people are going to say, hey, look, Star Wars, great. And it's going to introduce them to concepts that sure. will get them into the hobby. So I think there needs to be more IP games like this. I really did think, like, it would be something I recommend to people in the game store when I'm working. Like, hey, this is great. This is Star Wars. You'll see all your characters you love. You get to kill Moff Gideon or kill Moff Grandlands of Tarkin and stuff like that. So, well done on their part. Maybe not my favorite thing, but I'm glad it's out there. That's Star Wars, the deck-building game. All right. I don't need, you don't need to go any further than going to Arnak. I think that's my number one. If you want to go do an Imperium, that's fine, too. But, like, you can stop searching the other levels. Just go ahead and go for those okay. two. At Origins, I will play Arnak with you, Andrew. I will do it. If you want to say I will play some Arnak. Okay, so my instruments are going off. It is time for us to prepare for the dive, so let's go ahead and head to Daryl's story. Daryl, the helm is yours. Lead us away. Sure. I'm, I was trying to think of which story to share with you guys. And uh, one that uh, I was just recently uh, reminiscing about. Uh, I just came uh, this this summer, earlier in the summer, I was uh, at a, a convention called The Gathering of Friends. And uh, my very first year ever attending, um, I got to participate in a Can't Stop tournament. And the tournament had over 200 people playing in it. Um, and I, you know, I love Can't Stop. I love Push Your Luck games. Uh, thought I had no chance in this thing. But I ended up whittling all the way down to the final table of four out of the 200 plus participants, which I thought was quite the accomplishment. And then I realized I've been playing Can't Stop at a different level than other people because at my table was Tom Lehman, the designer of Race for the Galaxy and many other yep. great games. And I didn't realize that Can't Stop was uh, a smack talk game. That it's actually <laughs> all about uh, getting in each other's heads and constantly wearing them down with smack talk. Not only just like, <laughs> you know, in teasing or a little mockery. No, he his goal is to wear you down to the point that you don't realize the decision you're making is a poor decision. <laughs> and so I was I was losing pretty bad. I made a real great uh, run and all of a sudden managed to march uh, my pylon all the way up to one spot away from the 
from crowning the seven. I was way ahead of everyone else. I ran it all the way. I already had two uh, in this in this race. I had locked on two others. So it was like, could, do I get all three in one moment? And I said, and and I don't know why, but Tom got me to a place where I I said, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop one step away from winning the entire tournament because, you know, it just has to go around once and I just have to roll one seven. So I stopped, and then before it got back to me, someone else won the game. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't Tom even. Just Tom Tom took that as a moral victory that he had talked me out of uh, going for it. And so that, that role haunts me to this day. And now now when I play Can't Stop, I make sure to mi- just smack talk as much as I can. <laughs> See, you learn from the experience. On top of that, you have a deeper understanding of what the game actually is and the meta involved. And, uh, yeah, I'm, it's interesting that Tom was a kingmaker on that one. He didn't actually yeah, do it for himself. You didn't, you didn't even know that Can't Stop had kingmaking, but he did it. <laughs> he, uh, he managed that. And it's funny because full circle, this year was my 10th year going to the Gathering of Friends, and I managed to... Um, I'm being featured in a documentary and, and the documentarian uh, took Elizabeth Hargraves, Eric Lang and myself, and we went in this record shop and we were being interviewed and we were playing can't stop. So that it was just casually as we're over a game of can't stop. And I made sure to smack talk and ultimately win. So I feel like I applied the teachings and made sure I, I have this great photo because Eric Lang was uh, staring at me with just, <laughs> anger just deep <laughs> anger that he and i just pulled out my phone and took a photo and it's like one of my favorite photos now it's it. just that's just him staring at me uh with with rage can't stop is a masterpiece from sid saxon really and truly it doesn't get old it's perfect in a family situation uh it's one of the purest versions of pressure luck that i've ever seen I mean, everybody likes Quacks and Quidlinburg, but I think that one with that big stop sign on it and like the pylons moving up just got this presence to it that is nostalgic and yet still kind of fun and innovative in its own way. Uh, really like this game a lot. I think it's a great one. And I actually have been enjoying more at conventions getting into these tournament style simple games. Like, there's a lot of fun to be had when you jump in with like 200 people and just see where you can rank. That's kind yeah. of a fun thing, and that can't be done at home. And nope. it doesn't do well over the internet. You have to be in person for something like that and just be part of a room of people playing the same game is also a very cool thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely, it, I don't do it often, but when I do, it's, it's pretty fun. And it's just, you know, pardon the expression, a roll of the dice. You're with a bunch of people giving it a try and see what happens. I know for myself, like, I've, I, I played Can't Stop so much over the years that it, it definitely was a major influence on Adrian and I designed a game called Seven Summits. And that is kind of our homage or, you know, our version uh, of uh, a Can't Stop. And then the other thing that uh, I'll give a shout out when it comes to Sid Saxon, I'm a big Sid Saxon fan. And uh, I recently went to the Museum of Play in Rochester. And they mm-hmm. actually have a large selection of uh, games from his personal collection, and they also have all his journals. And Sid Saxon was this madman of collecting every game that came out, and and then they he would journal every day meticulously what games he played, what he thought of them. All of his games were marked, and and he had like a whole indexing system. 
so that you could see when he played a specific game from his collection. And now they've turned all of his journals into a digital format so you can access all that information. And I have slowly been trying to acquire and have purchased about 40 of of his games that he's had from his collection over the years. So I'm slowly trying to add more and more, but I just think he is someone that really is a, a godfather of the game industry, especially in North America, and did a lot of groundwork of researching and, and really playing a lot of games and giving us, you know, can't stop the, even the term push your luck. I don't think was a term when he, when that game was being made. So some of our vernacular, some of our, our vocabulary was even being born during that time. Yeah. He innovated in a lot of different ways and I'm going to put you on the spot here, Daryl, give me a top three Sid Saxon games in your opinion. Ooh, well, I can't stop is uh, definitely uh, my, my mountaintop. Um, I, I would probably say acquire um, is, is, is if not my, you know, it fights for first, but it's probably my second after after acquire you know there's a there's a few different options um I'm trying to think did sid do uh i'm the boss yes yes he yeah. did so that that would probably be my third i mean he's famous for you know like byword and focus and haggle a uh-huh. uh, bunch of others like that but i i would say those are my top 3 acquire can't stop and i'm the boss I uh, acquire is a big part of my childhood. I played that not knowing who he was, but that was one of the first like real hobby level games I played at a young age, and I really appreciate what that does. Can't stop is is gorgeous. Um, I'm actually a fan of Bizarre. I think that yeah, Bizarre is a good one too. Absolutely. One thing I was, I don't know, Sid Saxon is extremely influential. Like his designs have influenced board games not only just in america but the entire world that you know when the american tabletop awards like founded like a couple of years ago for those who don't know they start they do like it's like the spiel des jahres of america starting instruction i was really hoping like if we were to make an award for america we call them the saxon awards yeah just because like you know we name things after like they're the tonys the emmys uh, the oscars yeah. call them the, the, the saxon award for any gaming and stuff like that because one thing it'll give people history like hey, yep. what's who's saxon and now people can know about this guy who's extremely important and sometimes often forgotten especially by new hobby or gamers which yeah. is why i'm excited that who is it that is it someone's doing a new version of acquire i forgot who is who it is oh uh renegade i believe that's right yeah renegade's yeah. got the new version of acquire i am extremely happy because i'm going to probably get that and, sh- <laughs> and i'm at the point where i can show a lot of people this game so very exciting indeed. Are, are there any other designers that you guys feel like maybe did I think Sid Saxon gets a lot of credit in like the design community. Like who are some more designers that I think either old or new that need some light shed on them? Hmm. Mm, tough question. But I, I love it. I love I love your idea as well for the award being named the Saxon Award. Maybe maybe the Museum of Play can start issuing yeah. a Saxon Award. Um but yeah, who who is underappreciated? I mean, I, I couldn't say Reiner Knizia because he's everywhere, <laughs> but in a weird way, he is he is everywhere, but he is still underappreciated. There's a lot of games of old that people, you know, have forgotten. I don't know. What do you guys think? For me, I think the I think the person who goes 
underappreciated a lot is just off the top of my head. I'm going to throw it to is just by gamer community in general is either going to be Gary Gygax mm. or Richard Garfield. Richard Garfield's famous for magic, but I think he's done a lot more for the community and making games than I think people appreciate a lot. Uh, I know Gary Gygax, he has some controversy around him, but I do think that the essence of what he was able to give through Dungeons and Dragons was extremely influential. And people yeah. often forget that. They think Dungeons and Dragons, they people, people don't even know who Gary Gygax is and yeah. stuff like that. And I think just even just remembering him, despite some of the things he's done in his life, is important. And what he was able to give. Now he's able to give joy to so many different people who may not have even been at his table or even heard of his game back then. And it's been just that great con for bringing people together. But that's off the top of my head. Those are the two people I would think. That's a great one. I mean, I know for myself... The first time ever last year, I went to Gary Khan, uh, which is run in honor uh, by Luke Gygax, the son, one of the sons of Gary Gygax. And it was pretty neat for me to go visit Lake Geneva, uh, where TSR was headquartered, where Gen Con even gets its name. Mm-hmm. And I had never been. So it was kind of a pilgrimage to, to go and see, you know, a, a small town that had such a huge impact on so many people around the world. And, and it does remind me, you know, just uh, just don't lose faith that that game you're working on that right now you might be struggling, will it even get out there, um, can really change the world, can bring some joy uh, to people that you'll never meet. So that, that that's a great one. Andrew, do you, do you have any in mind? God, I, I feel like I'm so not on the pulse here because... As I become a game designer, I have looked to the past. I've looked around. I've started to memorize these people's names. Like, and I'm not sure who people don't know about. Right. Like, I feel like I know at least of them all, right. but I no longer have a frame of reference for the people who don't know right, right. who those are. So, like, it's not a fair question to ask. I, I would sure. be more about like these games of the past. Like, right. Um, there are some master class in game design from, you know, like early nineties, you know, like not necessarily so past, but in this board game hobby, that's an ancient history. Um, like Stefan Dora doing for sale is sure. one of those games that like is so elegantly beautiful that it forms almost subconsciously into all these other game designers now. They're sure. like, that's, I guess, one that I'd probably put out there. But I think people know him the same way they right. know about Kramer and Kiesling. Like, I right. think most people know that mm-hmm. combo. Like, most people yeah. know those things. Like, I don't know how obscure you'd have to get with that. I'm not sure. Yep. Yeah. No, that's a, a good push for sure. I, I, I mean, obviously, someone like Wolfgang Kramer to me is like the pinnacle, you know, if I were to make a Mount Rushmore. But, but at least, at least, you know, that's a name that some people know. You know, Rudiger Dorn, Richard Borg, mm-hmm. uh, or some of the, you know, Martin Wallace. Uh, yeah. These are some of the names that, you know, Klaus Tuber just uh, passed. I mean, a legend, not just for Catan, but for so much more. Uh, so there's definitely definitely a pantheon uh, of, of great designers. And, you know, who who all is remembered? I'm not 100% sure, but, but yeah, that there is a... A lot of kind of the cult of the new helps us forget about some great designers of the past. 
And, and yet uh, there are yeah. other designers that always make their way to the top. Like Martin Wallace, the brass right now is sure. number one. So I can't think of him as underappreciated because he's on the top of the list. Sure. <laughs> I really, I, I honestly think the hobby needs more of the old school design stuff. I think we get lost a lot and maybe not, it's not a silly criticism, but like when the new hotness comes out and it's like, oh, here's the next $180 Kickstarter, whether, whatever it may be, and it has lots of intricate systems. Like, I, I honestly think that we need to have more people putting out and designing like things like Can't Stop yep. or Acquire because yep. there is just such a joy that comes from playing. Like you said, I, I would people I would love to play in a 200 people Can't Stop tournament because – the game is fun because it's not it's competitive, but not like Magic the Gathering competitive right, or right. where you're putting hours into the stick. Just I know how to play. Let's let's play, and the fun comes from the people at the table. Yep. I, I really think if I hope this, I don't know if this is going to happen. I hope there's going to be a shift towards people looking at old games like Six Saxon games, like old Klaus Teuber games that really just invite joy to the table. Yeah. No, I love that. And I know uh, for myself, actually, I've been working with Wolfgang Kramer uh, and I reached out and, and asked, you know, to work on uh, kind of re-envisioning or, or kind of bringing back some of his games. And the neat part is when you look at older games that were already great, we still mm -hmm. have opportunity to improve them. So anything from a bunch of games, for instance, that I'm working on, uh, one of the easy cleanups is just making them shorter. So there were a lot of games that took a while for them to ramp up. And we've learned over the years, you can just chop off like the first quarter or the first third of a game and just mm -hmm. get people started right there. Like just give people a little quick draft or a little asymmetrical start and just like drop people right into the fun. And, you know, it was customary for a game to be a slow burn and a slow start. And now, you know, time is pretty sensitive so let's turn those 90 minute games into 45 minute games and and yet take almost all the core mechanics uh from some proven great games and just mm -hmm. make them a little more fun a little more accessible maybe uh a re-theme maybe just bringing in you know a, some beautiful art instead of some old dude on the map on on the cover and <laughs> and all of a sudden you you you've brought back to life uh, something that was already a lot of fun and, and just made it even better. It's a good thing Maestro Media already has you. Otherwise, Restoration Games is on the line and they're looking for you to, to jump <laughs> on board. Uh, yeah, you just basically said their entire purpose of being is to take these great old games that we loved as children, us old people, and bring them to people who are new in the new age of things. And yeah, a little tweak here and a little tweak there. And all of a sudden, you got another hit. And that's yep. that's great. So I love people bring in those games back i mean it sounds like the industry is going hollywood they're taking all the old classics <laughs> and just shining them up bringing them back and hoping the young people will get interested in it which is a good thing i think because there's lots of great games from the past that have kind of fallen by the wayside now thanks to people like you daryl and restoration games we're getting that right but also you know i think the market demands what the market demands there's people out there who want a new heavy crunchy three-hour game and they're going to get them sure and there are plenty of people in this world who want light and fluffy and fun trash talk with their friends at a coffee shop and they're going to get that too uh we now have more games coming out per year than ever before and all of those games have a home somewhere 
And we just hope that the games that we make have more homes than other games. But that's not necessarily for us to say. It's just about being appreciated for what it is. And I think there's a lot out there to be explored. Okay, we are deep down to the Saxon Sea right now talking about old games and their wonderfulness. Let's go ahead and see what's on our sonar and talk about what we're playing in the future. I'll go ahead and kick this thing off. I am looking forward to playing Getaway Driver. This is a very small box game by, for the life of me, I can't remember. I bought this at at PAX just on a whim because I was looking for another two-player game to play. Okay, this is by Uproarious Games and designed by Jeff Beck. And I do tend to like Jeff Beck's designs for the most part. He does really good stuff and I really popular stuff. So I'm looking forward to playing this one in this game. One player is playing a getaway driver who just committed a crime. Other players are playing police trying to stop them from getting away. Love the concept. I love back and forth tug of war type games, which this seems to be. So I'm really looking forward to playing it and seeing how it goes out. Andrew, what are you looking forward to playing in your future? Uh, so I picked up Red Cathedral from Devere Games, and this Ooh. is a game that's been on my radar for a long, long time. Uh, I've heard it's one of the heaviest, tightly compacted small box games um, with lots of intertwining decisions. So uh, I desperately need to get this on the table. And I got the okay from the wife. She saw the box and said, yeah, I'll play that. So awesome. That's going to move up the timeline much faster. Daryl, what are you uh, into, into looking forward to? Yeah, well, first off, let me say Red Cathedral is amazing. So you'll, I, I think you'll really enjoy it. it. It is very tight. Gives you really crunchy decisions, but it's still like small box and and not too hard on the rules. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. Uh, my uh, one that's on my radar, it actually delivered. It's a Kickstarter that delivered to my house, but I haven't got to play it yet. Is Steam Up? Oh, it okay. uh, it is a game designed by uh, Pauline Kong, Mary Wong, and Heyman Lee. It's uh, uh, anyone who knows me knows that I love food, uh, and <laughs> and so it is about dim sum. It's all about yeah. you know collecting the right dishes, and and they have these really cute squishy components like a little chicken's foot and uh, little bow buns and stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah. so they got me on the components. It's got the bamboo like mm-hmm. dishes and stuff, and it's got this whole spinning thing and stacking thing. So I'm already interested. They got me. Uh, obviously, I bought the deluxe version. Uh, I think from I think it was Hot Banana Games that did the Kickstarter, and uh, so I'm really really looking forward to finally getting it to the table. I um, I just I missed it by a day when I was g- going out, and so uh, I went away for a few days, and finally uh, it's on the top of my list. I might even play it tonight. I'm not sure. So uh, that's that's on my radar. That is, I've looked at the retail version and the deluxe version of Steam Up. You just, there's no option. You have to go with the deluxe version. It's just, it like, just it's looks so, so much, fun. I know. It's so much, like, cute little, like, just all your little dim sum stuff, and it's squishy, like you were saying. Like, <laughs> I, I, like the cardboard chips just don't hit the same, and the game doesn't hit the same without those yeah. really nice components. If you're walking the convention floor and you see it, you have to stop by and check it out. So, yeah, it yeah. has that presence. It has that command. Awesome. Well, we have kept Daryl down here way too long. It's starting to get extremely hot. Our oxygen slow. How about we shoot up to the surface and we'll resurface? 
Daryl, amazing story. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. We know you're an extremely busy guy. We've been trying really hard to set this up, and we finally able to get some of your time. So thank you so much for coming on our little podcast and sharing your story with us. If people want more Daryl in their life, they want more of your aura, your essence, what can they do? Uh, first off, really appreciate you both having me on. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to catching up and listening to episodes. Uh, myself, if people want to catch me, I'm, I'm on most of the social media channels. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things. Usually it's Daryl M. Andrews. It looks like Daryl Mandrews. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, give me a shout if you want to talk games, uh, you want to talk food. Uh, I, I do a lot of conventions. So if you go to a convention, don't be shy. Please introduce yourself. Maybe we can play a game together. Uh, one way or another, you know, I just, uh, I love games and I love the, we live in a world where we can share a table with one another and yeah. and enjoy just the chance to uh, have an experience, have a moment. And and so uh, if you're out there and, and you too share that love for games, feel free to reach out. We will definitely have to talk food. My day job is a prep chef at a, like a Ooh. giant fine dining restaurant. So if we ever meet up, we'll talk yes. food and games for sure. I would love that. Awesome. Yeah. My parents used to own it. You were, I, you were at Tantrum Con, correct? I was. Yeah, you went to a barbecue place because I, I, I do follow you on Facebook yeah. and stuff. And my parents actually own their own barbecue place. Oh. I worked there for three years. I don't work there anymore. I work at a different restaurant now. But sure. Like, when you should... to... Next yeah. time. Next time I'll need to check it out. I love good barbecue. So Yeah, it, it's a little bit of waste from Charlotte, but maybe I'll just bring some if I know okay. I'm going to meet up with you. I'll say, hey, try some real barbecue, man. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I dabble a little bit with my smoker, but I understand mm. and appreciate the skill and time and effort it takes for good barbecue to happen. So I will never say no to barbecue. One of the coolest things about barbecue chefs, by the way, is they'll tell you exactly how to do everything they do and then say, good luck. Yeah. Because right. The technique and mm -hmm. all the specificity can't be replicated. Nope. Despite you trying. So they'll tell you everything that that's the only chef in the world that I know that will tell you everything. Right and and then dare you to replicate it? Oh, Absolutely. we will, we will for sure. Like I did, all, I did the pit for years. And side note, like it's blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, horror stories happen where meat falls on you and you're burned. Horror story. Quick side note: my my cousin who worked with us, we did a smoked meatloaf for a long time. We put it in a pan; it boils up in its own oil. He yeah. tripped and fell, and he was wearing shorts and boots that day. The oh biggest. no! All the hot grease went down his leg into his shoe. And boiled his foot for like a solid two minutes. He had he was out for like two weeks. It was, oh wow! Meatloaf was good, but like, sure. <laughs> uh, it's barbecue for the win, people. Well, yeah, listeners, thank you so much for coming on this voyage with us, Daryl. Thanks again for coming on. As always, my name is Josh, and I'm Andrew, and I'm Daryl, and this has been the Tabletop Submarine. Mm -hmm.